It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. It has been about eight weeks of social distancing, which is the amount of time it takes for the initial phase of healing and recovery from knee replacement surgery. Of course, you will still have to do months of physical therapy, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Back on course, directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim, once again contacting us from a great distance. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. So, with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Well, we never thought this day would come, but... This week, we're going to be talking drama. Drama. And we're going to create drama. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to create it. This week on the agenda, we have streaming. What a surprise. (laughs) Our list update, film genre favorites, which is actually drama, which is such a big field. Open Rage, Rage or Dare, Contest. Oh, we we had the contest winners last week. And then we're going to (laughs) close. So, nice. Um, you saw how awake I am today. This, is, this has been a long week already. What is Gonna it? be one of those Friday? shows. Is it Saturday? Is it, it Friday? It's, I don't know. It's actually Wednesday, my friend. Oh, Wednesday. Right. Thank you. Uh, so I'm awake. Uh, so, streaming last week, we saw, we limited ourselves, but first... Streaming... Motherfucking streaming. Right? Streaming. Well, you got to see the fantastic South by Southwest uh, film. I think it was South by Southwest. Dylan. Yeah. Yeah, I did. What'd, what'd you think? I really like this movie. Um, from the opening yeah. scene, it seemed like, uh, it might be a lot of fun and that's exactly what it was. Um, movie delivered the rest of the way. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan and Kira Sedgwick are tremendous as George and Gloria, who are not your Gloria. typical happy couple. Um, everything pretty much worked for me in this movie. Uh, my favorite line from the movie is when George said, one thing's for sure. You're a bit too spry for my liking. Just before he fires a bullet into the leg of our, I guess you could call him one of the protagonists. Um, <laughs> you know, his, his name's Mickey, um, played by Bill Skarsgård. Um, although, you know, there aren't really a lot of, uh, good guys or bad guys in this film, maybe more bad guys and worse guys. Um, this break and enter really goes wrong. Uh, Mickey and Jules definitely picked the wrong house to break into. Um, still enjoyed it all. Um, even the bittersweet ending worked for me. I say Mondo. What do you say, Jim? Ah. Uh- you know, I I didn't I didn't like a lot about this one. I um I thought it had a lot of potential as I started watching it. I, I love the whole beginning, the setting things up. I love. I mean, I I'm a huge Bill Skarsgård fan mm-hmm. uh, and Kira Sedgwick. So I mean, um, this had a lot of potential for me to love this movie. But the remaining cast, I I felt. They didn't have bring the heat is what I was wanting. I felt the pacing. I kind of knew when I was watching this that you would like it a little bit more than me. The pacing was very slow and methodical, which I was hoping it that it would have a little bit more push to it. 
And it, it never got Not to like a needed. really big climax. Yeah, see, the weird level and creep level was wound up to 10 right from the very beginning, yeah. which I love. Uh, and it was... And I it's a standard. The characters, it, kept, it kept the right amount of creepiness, but then it kind of just settled into a routine, I found, and it lost some of its creep factor. It, it, if you looked at the beginning oh, part man. of the movie... And you, you were, it had a bunch of really cool shots and then it just kind of settled. Whatever. At the end of the movie, it had some awesome shots. Kira Sedgwick's standing over, you know, at the end of that movie. Oh yeah. No, How good was I that? I'm not saying I didn't like that part of it. There was a lot about this that I liked. I think, I think that if it could have up, it could have kept the elevation of the creep factor. But it just settled onto a specific level of creep factor. So, I, I, did I like this movie? Yes. Do I love a lot of the actors in it? Yes. Did, did I think the character development was well? Yes. There's a lot of things that I liked about it. I just didn't love it because I, I wanted it to stay where it had got me to in the movie. And then it didn't get the, it didn't completely push me over the edge. It was, it was kind of like what the scene, I don't want to give obviously too much away, but there's a scene where Skarsgård's um, locked up after after they knock him out, and he's lying in bed, and he wakes up, and the creep factor there is just fantastic. It and is, then they, but then they throw him down in the basement. It's kind of like okay, whatever. It's a it's now a basement dwelling film. I was like, okay, where are the people under the stairs? Oh, oh wait, there's a little girl. Come that's on. a, that's a per- person under the stairs. It just didn't have any more creep to me. It just kept into this. It was just like at that point. Yeah, it was solid, it, man. It solid, solid, nah, solid. Nah. And, and, and entertaining throughout. Entertaining throughout. Was, now, I've been, was, I've been, been mondoing much lately, but I, I would say this was a mondo. You are wrong. Well, I'm, I'm glad you liked it, but I, it, it didn't stay creepy for the whole movie, so it didn't get to stay mondo. I'm sorry. All right. So what, else, for it. what else did we see, Jim? Well, we saw the half of it. Yeah, and we did. This one, yeah, I don't think you like this one nearly as much as I do. Uh, you have a little bit of reversion uh, here. Yeah, apparently I didn't because it was not. Yeah. Great. Well, you, it's funny because the- I actually really like this movie. Hmm. Tell me why, Jim. I, I thought, well, uh, it's written and directed by Alice Wu, yep. it's streamed on Netflix. Uh, I love the music score. The soundtrack to me was amazing. The timing mm. and delivering of the main character, actress, uh, Leah Lewis, I thought was flawless. Actors were uh, great. Her voice, yeah, her voice and the attitude totally reminded me of a Chinese Miley Cyrus. And for me, that's a plus. I am a huge Miley Cyrus fan. <laughs> okay. This film was quirky and sweet. I loved it. My favorite line. I'm not, by the way, the just to interrupt movie. you for a second before you get to your favorite line. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what a Miley Cyrus is. Oh well, uh, you go look on the internet, and then then you'll you can get back to me. All right. She's actually she's actually you know probably one of the biggest pop icons out there, but she's she's got a real creepy vibe to her. She <laughs> okay. um, obviously she was uh, Hannah Montana or something like that. I don't know, but. Uh, she's into a lot of weird stuff like me, so she's she's a big fan. I, I don't know what Hannah lips. Montana is either. There you go. So, well, <laughs> there, no big deal. Anyway, I was channeling that through the main actress in this. Uh, again, the fav- my favorite line, I'm a Russian doll of clothing. 
it just it was you know it's it's kind of like that coming of age breakfast club type film i like the fact that it was very the, the development of this of this woman who you know she was all alone really for herself and there's a lot of a lot of pain and suffering, but they brought it in a way that they just well, kind of kept you at the peripheral of it. Well, here, I, I, I fell in love with the char- characters. And I don't, and, and I don't I blame you for falling them. in love with the characters. I just didn't like the script. Um, I'm telling you, Cyrano de Bergerac ripoffs never seem to work for me, and this one doesn't either. Um, I will admit that the relationship between the father and the daughter after the mother had passed away interested me, but that should have been the film. The scene where Ellie's father tells her, we didn't come here so you could be like me. We came here so you could be like your mother. That was good stuff. That could have been the basis for an excellent movie. Instead, we got this goofy Cyrano clone that left me asking why. I really liked these characters. I just wish they were in a different story. That makes this a meh. It doesn't make it a rage, but it makes it a meh. Because I'm agreeing. I love these characters. They were great. I did not like this story. This could have been such a good movie with the characters that were in it. Just not in the way that they did it. Yeah, and I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. I thought the, I thought they did it. I thought the director, writer, Alice Wu, I thought she did a really good job. I liked... I, I, you know, it's probably in that expectation of what you're expecting from this film, and I was expecting this to be the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so, so was I actually when on it. When, yeah. when I read the blurb and you said we're gonna, you know, we're gonna stream this. What do you think? Or well, you know, which ones do you want to stream? I was like, okay, let's let's stream this one because it's gonna be a hard rage, and we'll have some, you know, <laughs> some interesting topic to you know com- converse yeah. about. But uh, it ended up being as i said before I know, just disappointing. Like said, yeah. yeah it made it a mondo for me and i like the um so it's, it's got an lbgtq theme to it and what i think which was cool is i didn't know a lot what was happening it, again i don't want to be told certain things and i felt that the writer kept that kept a lot of things close to her heart yeah they had the traditional douchebag football player and yeah. they had you know the the pretty princess, and they had, but but the, because they filtered in all these little things into their characters, it made you care about them. And then when you, I mean, you kind of knew that the main character was a lesbian, but it, it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was talked about. I think what what I really liked about this, and for people that are fans of the LB, LBGTQ community, is that this seems like real life to me now. Like I'm not in high school, what? so I don't really know. But to me, it felt, yeah, because there's still this, the football crowd. And then there's these awkward, like, there's a lot of awkwardness that goes through these, these types of teenage movies. But I felt that this one, because she was such a loner, and some of the interactions she had with each one of the characters, and, you know, the ending to me, it was very sweet. We could, and, we could have know, had a, we could have had a lot of that without the goofy Cyrano crap that just absolutely fell flat. And that's what just killed this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought, I mean, I never took him Killed it. As, a, as a character. Could, could the, have been so part. good. And I love the I character so it, much that it's still a meh because I could easily have raged if I, if I could have found a reason to not like any of these characters. But I, I really, almost yeah. every character in it, I, I had affection for. I just wish they weren't in this convoluted, ridiculous story. 
Well, I guess we're going to that We've got another one. We've got a flip. And, and now we're moving on to the next one. Which I have we're moving on. <laughs> so we, I we, think it may be the same on the next one. Well, let's, both l- of us. let's take a look. Uh, we got The Stand at Paxton County from 2020. Uh, this was also on Netflix, was it? I think possibly yes. No. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm think pretty sure so. it was. Yeah, I think Villains was I'm on. Looking. Villains was on the uh, uh, Amazon, the Prime. Yeah, half of it and stand the stand of Paxson County were both Netflix. So, yep, you're right. I uh, yeah, uh, that's from 2020 to this year. I think they just got released on Netflix recently. Uh, I wanted to like this movie. I really did. I think it's important that stories like this are told. Um, I just wish that a better writer and director were telling the story. Um, the original true story of a North Dakota rancher fighting for uh, fighting corruption to save his livestock from government seizure is a story that is worthy of a movie. Unfortunately, we got this sensationalistic and ridiculous piece of crap. So many convenient coincidences and improbable situations that we do not have time to list them all. Let me just say, save your time and Google Gary Dassinger instead and read about the real story. And let's pretend that this movie never happened. So much rage for this one. What does Jim think? Yeah, I can argue with Absolutely. One. Well, I'm going to argue with one thing you said. However, yes. I will not argue with anything about how terrible this movie was. As I was watching it, I kept going to myself, why Why does anybody care about this? And and interestingly enough, the person, one of the people, if you did a bit of more reading about this movie in particular, yep. there happens to be uh, one of the executive producers is a guy... Hold on here. I'm trying to find it. Ah, Jim's so prepared. Yeah, I don't know why I'm so not prepared sometimes, but you know, this happens sometimes. Yes. The guy, one of the one of the executive producers of this, Forrest Lucas. Okay, you're gonna love to hear about this guy. So he is, um, he's an oil guy right away. Not, not. I mean, who doesn't love oil? We live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's something that's important for our um, our well-being here in Alberta. Yeah. But we know more that there's a lot of oil companies out there that are not not very cool people. Yeah. This guy in particular is a douchebag. And this film, as much as you thought, there was something, you know, it, they're sprinkling into this the po- politics basically funded by this guy he started a non-profit organization called protect the harvest yeah I know. it's an american non-profit advocacy organization founded by forrest lucas which opposes the radical animal rights movement and particularly the humane society of the united states yeah it, it right does. away i go i know and and the reason that he's trying to make us hate big government and hate, make us hate uh, the people. It's sprinkled into it because he wants to do his farming the way he wants to, which is by not treating animals the way he needs to be treated. Yeah, having, having said that, this particular person in this particular person does not fit into the, quite into the category that the broad uh, vehicle behind that particular movement 
is kind of a boat. It's a little gray there, but yes, the the actual yeah. organization sucks. Yeah. Well, and, and him in, in general, I'm calling him out. Yeah, he, no, the, that dude sucks. The the dude that the movie's about, he's he's all right. Yeah, well, no, I, but that he's probably a guy that wants to run a farm the way that, you know, old-time farming should have been run. Yeah. Right? Where the animals get to roam the range and, you know, live at least... I know you're not a big supporter of eating meat, so <laughs> no. even the fact of them being but killed... But it's, it's more of a horse ranch. Yeah, but that's what I mean, right? I mean, regardless of it, it's, we need to have animal rights because animals, if, even if we are going to eat them, they need to be treated humanely. That's all I want to say about it. So, yeah. this, so, this so if, if you do go into this uh, and you do want to learn more about this, uh, repeat the, the name of that ridiculous organization. Oh, the ridiculous organization is Protect the Harvest. So yeah, so if you come across Protect the Harvest stuff, it's just propaganda. Um, you yeah. probably, you know, you can read it if you want, but take it with a grain of salt because it's got an agenda. Absolutely. So, you know, I didn't have much that I wrote down about this. Ah, it's just, put, it's just so this stupid. Is, this, is, this is the note I made for myself. Netflix Hallmark movie of the week says. Bleh. That's about the sum of it. Can't, can't disagree it, it was, with that at all. It was a rage. It was a hard, hard rage. Hard rage. Uh, Hard rage, mighty. That'd be the pirates with it. Dang, rage. For that right. way. <laughs> All right. So, on that note. You got a surprise for me. I do have a surprise for you. I'm so excited. All right, sir. We got the mesmerized, we got the undoubted, and the doubted. What do you got for me this week? I, you kind of challenged me to um, come up with a mesmerize. Step up your game. And uh, I said, screw that. I'm not going to come up with a mesmerize. I'm going to come up with an undoubted. And I've done this before and it blew up in my face, but I think it's a (laughs) slam dunk. All right. I don't think that this guy can stay off the list, but let's see what Jim thinks. I'm so excited. Uh, Yes. So, this so the, is such a rarity. The man's name is John yeah. Bernthal, and I am um, nominating uh, nominating him for Undoubted. Here, how's his last name spelled? What's that? Last name spelled? B E R N T H A L. R E R N. Yes, T H A L. I don't know why I can't get this. I'm looking it up on IMDb. Just give it to me. I'll see if I can know it. Exactly. I'm going to give you the films anyways. I don't know what you need to look up. So let's let's go backwards. So we'll go from the most recent. Ford versus Ferrari, 2019. That's a Mondo for me. Yeah, Mondo. The Peanut Butter Falcon, 2019. Also a Mondo for me. That was a manga for me. Widows from 2018. That was a meh. It was good, but it was a meh. Um, what was the last one? Widows. Widows. I don't know if I've seen that. Okay, okay well. Keep going. So then we've got Shot Caller from 2017, which you may not have seen. It 
but it is a mondo. It is so good. Okay. Nope. I haven't seen shot color. Then we've got Pilgrimage from 2017. Also yeah, 2017, which was Mondo. We've got Sweet yeah. Virginia from 2017, which I thought yeah. was Mondo. We've got yeah. Baby Baby Driver from 2017, Mondo. Mondo. What, yeah. what a 2017 this guy had. Wind River from yeah. 2017, Mondo. That's eight back. And you could keep on going because before that we had The Accountant from 2016, Mondo. We Are Your Friends from 2015, which was meh. Sicario, which for me from 2015 was Mondo. I guess that would kind of screw us for, for this if these was on the list, though, because you kind of thought that it was meh for some reason, because, you know. It was not, a double whammy you, meh. You're not. And really actually, Wind River was right. a meh for me, too. So. And before that, he was in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, uh, which was also which Mondo. Which was also a Mondo. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the guy picks awesome movies to be in. And for a guy that's kind of a supporting actor, it's amazing that he just keeps on getting these roles. The only thing he really starred in. Um, well, he started in a couple of them, but he was he was definitely the star of Sweet Virginia. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's just been in nothing but good stuff. And when you see his face, he's one of those guys that if you don't know him, you'll see his face and you go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. So, um, yeah, it's... All right, uh, so... So I've you, you might have a little research to do, eh? I've got to see Widow, and i got to see Shot Caller. Right, so... But everything else is... Uh, okay, I just want to back that up. Go from back to front again. Just because um, Wind River was a meh for me. And what? Baby Driver was a Mondo. Okay, yeah, well, it was then a you're man, good. buddy. Well, that's fine. Yeah. We're still in business yeah. here. Okay. Uh, Widows and Shot Color. Now, not to bring up the fact that you haven't given your uh, final vote the challenges that I gave you, but you've got to see some Rodriguez's film. Yeah, I'm just dreading watching this Shark Girl Lava Boy thing. Versus Lava, well, watch it. Maybe I, it'll be I'm, a rage and I'm, you won't have to watch any other <laughs> That's ones. That's going to be the first one I watch because, yep. Yeah, do it. It's, <laughs> be prepared. Okay. It's a kid show. I so know. It could possibly make I, a rage. I have, I, I I have enjoyed many kid shows. Yeah, you have. So, you have. we shall see. But yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to commit to see Widows and Shot Caller okay, so as long you, as I can find them. If you commit to that, yeah, I, will, I will definitely see the, uh, what is it, Rodriguez the shock, shock Girl, Lava Girl Part 7 or something? I think it's yeah, 4. And if there's any other ones you haven't seen. Yeah, I yep. think it's 4, but yeah. No, nope, right. I will definitely, by next week, we'll both have a verdict on these. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, we All will. Right. Sounds so, excellent. Uh, good good name, buddy. That's a good name. Yeah. Um super stoked yeah something a little different this time you know he's not super well, mainstream he's not a not a household name but uh man the guy just picks good roles and uh you got to think that uh he's, he's got a part in that yeah you know what we have to start doing as we continue to go forward with our list is we have to continue to vet them unless they're now retired or dead yep. right we uh we have to make sure that you know we continue to see their films uh, which, you know, we shouldn't be a challenge for us at all, actually. No, not at all. All right, <laughs> sir. So from there... Well, it's going to get dramatic in here, people. <laughs> and that's why we got the, the, the dramatic music happening. Dramatic music, that's right. I feel something's going to happen. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? 
something's gonna happen. Release of know. the best dramatic films in the history of cinema is what's gonna happen. That is correct. Well, I'm going to blast through my honorable mentions. This this was torture, by the way. I Anybody who listens to us, making a list of your favorite dramas was torture. It was literally the worst exercise we've ever had until we get to the horror genre. I had, a, sh- drama, I had, a, I had a short list of like 80, man, and then I narrowed it down to like 40, yeah. and it was just getting, it was out of hand. <laughs> I, I didn't I know there was that many awesome to- dramas, but apparently there is. It's you know what? You, you got to say there's probably more dramas than anything else. Yeah. Made. Well, you because know, it falls into there's drama, drama, comedies, there's yeah. dramedies. drama, horror, there's drama, suspense, dramedies. Yeah. Like there's rom-com drama, 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 <laughs> drama, 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 dumb, dumb. But, uh, you know, there's, that's, that's the thing. Dramas can be so many things. And yeah. I think you're going to find off my list as I'm sure I'm going to see on your list. You would. Some people might say that's not a. That's not a, a drama. drama. That's, that's a comedy. A, that's, exactly. That's, so. that's this. That's that. So, all right. Well, Let's here's my honorable mentions. Number ten on my honorable mention is uh, "Once Over the Cuckoo's Nest." Uh, in my opinion, I think it's Jack Nicholson at his best. Yep. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Great emotional journey into madness with some of the best actors ever brought into one movie. Yep. Number eight, Fight Club. Ed, Brad, and Meatloaf. Plus, how good how good was Meatloaf? Oh, Meatloaf is brilliant and written by one of my favorite writers, uh, Chuck Palinia. Love this guy as a writer. If you haven't read any of his stuff, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer. American Street X. It made it to my honorable mentions. We talked about this. I had to watch it. In my mind, this movie was in my top five. And I had to rewatch it over yeah. the over the weekend, and it dropped to honorable mention. Sometimes ha- that I happens. Put a, I want to put a little bit of a preface here. Some of these movies, going back, like we talked a little bit about this, this one in particular. If I watch this one today and compare it to it coming out today, it might not have made it my top twenty. But when I seen this in the theater when it first came out, this blew my mind. Yep. And I had to go back to there. In, in rewatching it, it still holds a good test of time, but there's some dated things in it that I found that that wasn't where I wanted to be. Kept That's it out of the top about, ten. About that. That's right. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing. Some of my favorite actors in a brilliant display of sorrow and loss. Francis and Sam were brilliant. Yep. Uh, number five, honorable mention, Jackie Brown. Quentin's great dramatic masterpiece. And bringing... Pam Greer back to the spotlight. Hell yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, as good as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yes, it was. It was so much better that I don't even want to talk about that. Number four, honorable mention, is from my buddy Taco Watiti. His second film, and man, he nailed it. It is Boy. Boy was so good. Yep. Uh, three honorable mention, West Eating Gilbert Grace. Yep. Leo, Johnny, Juliet, Brilliant story and Johnny and Leo's greatest work together. Good stuff. Uh, number two, Moonrise Kingdom by Wes Anderson and crew. Yep. Bring the Camp Town fun and love. It's nice. a great, great film. It is. Um, number one, honorable mention, and this bounced around on my, on, into my top, out of my top, into my top, out of my top. 
A Clockwork Orange by Kubrick. Yeah. Masterpiece. Malcolm McDowell is brilliant. Yep. All right. The top 10. Number 10. Another film by Quentin Tarantino and Glorious Bastards. By far my favorite Quentin film. I love everything about this movie. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, but it was no uh, once number, upon a time in Hollywood. You're right. It was good. Uh, number nine is Frank. This actually screened at Felger Underground Film Festival. Yeah, Frank really was great. My spoke to my musician soul, Quirky, and the music is brilliant. Michael Fassbender and Don Mill Gleason. My favorite top opening uh, gala that I've seen. I watch this annually just to remind me to stay weird and love music. Nice. Number eight, Ed Wood by Tim Burton. Cool. Get serious, and when he does, he blows your mind. Number seven, Fargo, the Cohen. Uh, this movie is pure bliss. From mm. the used car lot in Minnesota, right down to the wood chipper in the woods. Number six, Salome's Last Dance. This is my favorite Ken Russell film. Be prepared to open your mind to a visionary, brilliant director. The color and costumes of this comedy and sarcasm this is a perfect perfect ken russell film if you've never seen any of his works start with this and then just keep working yourself into a weird frenzy of fabulousness number five my favorite woody allen movie manhattan i think it's his best drama and i think uh it is perfect example of woody in this era when he was in this time frame number four Hotel Rwanda. This film changed my mind to the world around me. Mm. And I did not even know that this was a real thing that was happening until I seen this film. After yeah. seeing this movie, two things happened. Number one, I fell in love with Don Cheadle. And number two, I started reading and researching more about world issues. This film, of all the dramas, I feel changed me more about the importance of social issues and had the biggest impact on my beliefs as a person. It was powerful. I love this movie. So powerful. Number three, It's a Wonderful Life. Although a lot of people take this as a Christmas movie, I see it as one of the most important films about love of the community in trying times. This film plays as strongly today as when it was produced in 1946. I cry my cold, dead heart milk every time this film ends when the entire people in the town come and bring the banker all their money. <laughs> now you may ask, is it because I'm a banker and we deserve all the money? That's possible. But I think this movie is just a perfect, 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 perfect movie. Cool. Number two, and I, I watched this on the weekend again because it was my number one and it got bumped out to number two. Shawshank right. Redemption. There you go. Directed by Frank Darabont, written by Stephen King, starring Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. Who thought a horror writer could write some of the best dramas ever made? This film is perfect in every way, and in my belief, gave Morgan Freeman a career as a voiceover actor. Revenge is a dish served not cold, but through a river of shit. Yes. Number one, my number one favorite drama of all time is by our, one of our favorite directors who's going to make the list this year, Rushmore. Although this could make the top of my comedy list could, um, as well as probably every list that it can <laughs> because it's got everything in there. By far my favorite drama, 
at its core, this is a coming-of-age love story. I love this film. It's humor, musical score. Every actor in this film, as always, Wes Anderson. It is, in my opinion, Wes Anderson's best film, who also happens to be one of my favorite directors outside of horror genre. This movie is the best drama ever made. Cool. Mic drop. Over to you. All right, sir. Ah, uh, so uh, I'm going to just preface my list by saying I've tried not to overlap my lists. Um, so movies that have been on other lists will not be here. Um, I understand we're probably going to be doing some foreign language films next week. Um, that is one of the two categories where I may have to overlap some of my selections. Um, the other being horror. Um, at some point, I think we should kind of do our overall, uh, any category top 10 favorites. Um, but, <laughs> but this will be, you know, at least a few weeks down the road. Um, anyway, uh, here we go with my favorite dramas of all time. I got nine runners up. I'll just blast through them. Um, Wendy and Lucy from 2008, uh, about a girl and her dog. Um, simple story, perfectly told Michelle Williams at her best. Seven, 1995, Brad. Brad Pitt screaming, what's in the box? Will live with me forever. Good flick. Um, Broken Flowers, 2005. Jim Jarmusch behind the camera and Bill Murray in front of it. Plus, this movie has a perfect ending. Uh, Marriage Story, 2019. My second favorite movie of last year has to be mentioned. Um, Heart Wrencher of a movie. Uncut Gems 2019. My favorite movie of last year cannot quite crack the top 10 of all time. Uh, tension Not filled with satisfying though. ending. The Safdie brothers are awesome, but they didn't quite make it. Uh, no. We got Dead Poets Society, 1989. Peter Weir directs and Robin Williams stars as an inspirational English teacher. Uh, you know, who doesn't like Dead Poets Society? Great movie. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, 1992. This may be the best cast ever as Jack Lemmon, Alan Arkin, Al Pacino, Ed Harris, Kevin Spacey, Alec Baldwin, and Jonathan Price are all in this film adaptation of the David Mamet play. It's so good. It is so good. Uh, This one I actually watched again, and it was going to be in my top ten, and then it came out. Love this movie. (laughs) Love it, but it's not quite good enough to make the top ten. It's so close. It's so close. Rounders, so ni- Rounders, 1998. Matt Damon, Ed Norton, and John Malkovich play some cards with some rather high stakes. Um, it's it's a really good movie, and man, Ed Norton is so freaking annoying in it. <laughs> and it's yeah, just so just so good. He's just oh, he gets under your skin, and oh, it's like how are you his friend? But anyways, um, and uh, unbelievably so. Uh, my last honorable mention is the Shawshank Redemption, 1994. Oh, my, top, my top 10 must be pretty good if this film didn't make it. Um, if this film doesn't make the cut, or, or, I mean, whoa. Or, or you know, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just, you know, misled here. And I, That's I, I right. had a moment. That's more like that. <laughs> Could be. You had a moment, but yeah. it's okay. Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman star in the Stephen King adapted story, short story. Um, you know, <laughs> Shawshank's Redemption. It's at the top of most people's lists. Okay, yep. top 10 dramas of all time, according to Bryce, which might be a little different than most people. <laughs> Number 10, Hard Eight, 
1996. I believe this is Paul, Ta- um, Paul Tom- Thomas Anderson's best movie. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's first feature is my favorite film of his, and that is saying something. This one stars Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Samuel L. Jackson. Pretty awesome cast for a first effort. Number yeah. number nine, The Station Agent from 2003. Um, three unlikely individuals become friends in the star-making product project for Peter Dinklage. Patricia Clarkson and Bobby Cannavale also star. Um, just a really, really good movie. Uh, must be. It's number nine on the best dramas of all time. Number eight, Lost in Translation, 2003. Bill Murray shines in Sofia Coppola's second feature film. Um, this was a perfectly paced, bittersweet masterpiece of a movie. Number seven, Wonder Boys from 2000. Michael Douglas, Francis McDormand, Toby Maguire, and Robert Downey Jr. are in this story of an English professor with a few problems, both personally and professionally. Um, just a wonderful movie. Um, number six. Now we get super serious with the drama. In the, in the Bedroom from 2001. Um, this movie digs about as deeply into every character as I've ever seen. Uh, the film runs you through the emotional spectrum from joy to anger to sadness. Very emotionally exhausting movie, but so, yeah, so good. great in that too. She's amazing in that film. Yeah. Uh, number five, No Country for Old Men from 2007. Oh. Javier Bardem stars as one of the most memorable characters in the history of cinema. Tension-filled masterpiece from the Coen brothers. Number four. Yep. Number four. I can't get enough of them Coens. Fargo from 1996. The Coen brothers again. <laughs> this time with a movie that will make you make sure you never look at a wood chipper in the same way again. Then we've got number three. The Horse Whisperer from 1998. Robert Redford uh, directed this as well um, and stars in a movie about the virtues of patience. I'm all about patience. That's why I like the walking movies. Beautifully shot and beautifully acted, this movie follows a girl and her horse through both of their rehabilitations after an accident. Um, I love this movie. Just love it. Number two. Requiem for a Dream from 2000. Oh, yeah. Worth watching for Ellen Burstyn's performance alone. alone. Aaron, yeah, for sure. Darren Aronofsky's film about drug addiction will stay with you forever. Unforgettable adaptation of the Hubert Selby Jr. book. Uh, and my number one drama of all time, the movie that I probably first saw when I was about 12 years old, and I've probably seen it about 15 or 20 times since, and every, every time I just love this movie. Uh, it's To Kill a Mockingbird from 1962. Adaptation of the Harper Lee novel is my favorite drama of all time. Gregory Peck is the perfect Atticus Finch, who is one of the most decent characters that has ever been portrayed on the screen. This film is a coming-of-age tale and a courtroom drama, all perfectly rolled into one. It is sad at times, tension-filled at others, but ultimately inspiring. 
It is amazing that a movie made almost 60 years ago can still have such an impact upon viewing today. I think that everyone should see this film and, uh, you know, read the book too. It's a book. Read it. It's good. So that's my top 10 dramas, my friend. Not that. I, uh, there's only one on one on there. It was not a big fan of. Like it wouldn't have made my top, but otherwise, it's a pretty solid list. There you go. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. I won't even point out which one it was. So I'll <laughs> let you think about that for the rest of your life. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably have an idea of what it was, but you know. Yeah, you can probably guess. I probably I don't like boring things much. <laughs> <laughs> Boring's awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. Too much is uh, happening in movies these days. It's less stuff has to happen. A lot of nothing. A lot of nothing. Yeah. Why is there not more nothing that's happening everywhere? It kind of brings me back. I don't know. Uh, uh, Vincent Gallo, the original cut of the Brown Bunny. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's awesome. It's. Uh, it's. I think the original cut's like almost three hours long, and it's got this. Se- it's got this sequence where it's just uh, him riding his motorbike towards the camera from like, just a in the desert like from so far away and i think it goes for about eight minutes and it's fantastic because he's so far nice. away you can't even see him to start with and that's the whole scene he's just driving towards the camera and it takes like eight that minutes sounds, for him to get to the camera and it, it's so good it sounds like a freaking nightmare the only thing would, that would have been want- the only thing that would have been better if he wasn't riding the motorcycle and he was actually walking but man it's so good then it would have been like two hours I know. <laughs> would have been like would have been like a four hour movie. It would have been awesome. I would have loved it. I would have had to take acid. I would have to get up out of my chair, go find some acid on the streets, come back, sit in the theaters, and have something exciting to do for the rest of the movie. Nice. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, good list, man. We had uh, dramas are fun. Dramas are fun. It. You know what else is fun? Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Well, that movie we watched earlier this weekend, The Stand at Paxton County, drove me to a level of rage that made me do research into corporate crap, crapness. And actually... Going back off of even last week's rage, somewhat in in regards to dramas, or maybe it was the week before. I don't know. Everything's running together after a while. But I cannot stand agenda-filled films, be it uh, a political agenda. I cannot stand uh, propaganda films unless it's made in super, super, super jest, like our buddies um, who do South Park when they did. Um, Team America, which <laughs> which is a bit of a reverse propaganda film, really. The when you have big oil or big pharma or big anything funding a movie, you need. It's almost like I wish that they would put a disclaimer. Please know that the majority of the money coming from this came from big oil. Or the I, ma- could, I could get on. I could get on board with that for sure. I, I like that. Idea. Yeah, be, because you would. You would. You could. You could go into the movie knowing, okay, I know that that at the heart of this, they don't necessarily have the interest of everybody yeah. involved. Brought in- to you by the douchebags that are trying to kill your planet. Yeah, exactly. Now, 
granted, we we know we talked about this when we talked about that the drama from or the documentary from the other week that there isn't a lot of good options out there. So we had to find balance. But for us to do things like clear cut forest to burn, like that doesn't make sense. Even the fact that we make um, what's that? What's that? Not uh, biofuel. Like any type of biofuel. So I remember when the first time I went to uh, Husky, I think it was Husky that was one of the first gas uh, companies sort of in Canada that started serving biofuel. And I'm like, biofuel? Why do, why do, what is this? What is biofuel? Like, granted, you know, we know that using uh, gasoline is not the greatest thing for our planet either. But to actually take food when people are starving, and turn it into a fuel that we can use, it makes no sense to me. Now, taking fuel that is perhaps grease that comes out of the McDonald's greaser and turning that into fuel, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that that's the thing that happens with bio, some biofuels. But to take actually really good corn or really good any any type of product that could be used for food for people that are, are starving and to turn it into an actual fuel makes no sense to me when there's other options to, to create ways to, to push ourselves forward. There was a, a few years ago, and this is going a little off topic. I fell in love with the air car. Now are you familiar with the air car? I, right? No, well, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Not sure what it has to do with your rage right now, but go ahead. Well, it went from big oil down into to uh, the air car. The, the air car is created such, and you can buy these in India, and I believe there's a production house, there was one in France and Australia, that are building cars that run on air. Like, how does that not sound good? It, it, you just fill up with compressed air and away you go. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, it's a bit of a spin-off from last last week's rage specifically about documentaries but this this makes me angry when you've got people with big balls who can just make movies and we we don't really start to realize it until we sort of halfway got through a movie and then we have we do our research afterwards like okay who who is behind this film and then you start to to realize oh my god just make good movies from books or well-written movies stop stop trying to push your political agenda on us and don't make us love things more or hate things more because it benefits you. That's my rage. I can't argue with that. Damn. I love it when we argue. Yeah, well. <laughs> Not this don't, week. Don't worry. Sure. Don't worry. It'll happen. <laughs> All right. What you got, baby? Well, sir, this week, my open rage is the fact that Peter Weir made the movie Green Card in 1990. <laughs> Here is why. Very specific. It is very specific. So here's why. As we have established, it is not easy to get on the undoubted list. Darn near impossible, in fact especially when actors and directors make piss-poor decisions that make me shake my head. I've touched, upon, I've touched upon this before in a blanket rage, but let's look at one guy this time. 
In 1982, Peter Weir wait, made... Before, wait, can I interrupt you? You can. So, is your hatred of him making this movie as strong as it is for, say, our friend Michael Bay, the fact that he made any of his movies? Uh, Just so I have a level of rage. No, this movie was a rage, but it's not. There's nothing's Michael Bay level of rage. It's just noisy okay. crap. Just, just a At least nothing okay. blew up in his his ridiculous romantic comedy. All right. So, as I was saying, in 1980, in 1982, Peter Weir made The Year of Living Dangerously, starring Mel Gibson which can be summed up in one word, Mondo. He followed that up in 1985 with Witness, with Harrison Ford, pretending to be Amish. That film can also be summed up in one word, Mondo. Then in 1986, he made a movie called The Mosquito Coast, starring Harrison Ford again. And granted, this movie is an extremely hard watch, but it also can be described by one word, Mondo. In 1989, we got a movie starring Robin Williams by the name of Dead Poets Society. And I believe there is a word that describes this movie. Oh yeah, the word is Mondo. Then in 1993, Mr. Weir made Fearless, which starred Jeff Bridges surviving an airplane crash. And I think there is a word that describes that movie. Yes, that word is Mondo. Now let's go forward to his next movie, 1998's The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey. Kind of a groundbreaking movie. Now if I had to describe this movie in one word, I think that word would be Mondo. This brings us to 2003's Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, starring Mr. Russell Crowe, sailing the seas around South America. And how would I describe this film? Perhaps Mondo. This finally takes us to Peter Weir's last film, and perhaps his best, The Way Back from 2010. Three men, Jim Sturgis, Ed Harris, and Colin Farrell, escape from a Siberian gulag and walk 4,000 miles to freedom in India. Man, that's a lot of walking. Great movie. It was a good movie. Great movie that has a certain word that describes it. What is that word? What could it be? Oh yeah, I remember. Mondo. That is eight Mondos in a row. That would make him undoubted forever as it has been 10 years since his last film and he's now 75 years old. So he seems to be retired. But wait, for some reason he made an inexplicable film in 1990. Right smack dab in the middle of his eight Mondo efforts. Right after Dead Poet Society and right before Fearless, Peter Weir made Green Card. Yes, that awful romantic comedy starring Gerard Depardieu and Andy McDowell. Here's the kicker. He wrote it as well. How is this movie sandwiched in the middle of these other eight magnificent films? He could have been Mondo forever. And instead he ends up just another schmo. That is what one bad decision can do, my friend. That's my rage. Well, you know, your rage kind of bleeds into the fact that perhaps Andy McDowell could be the curse 
She could. And that potentially we may have to do a bit of research to see if she's actually been in. She could be a doubted. You might have. You might have missed your undoubted. Well, she's in four weddings. She was in four weddings and a funeral. I like that. Yeah, but how long ago was that? That was quite a while ago. It was. So potentially we have to go look at her. She's, I'm just saying. She's been in, she's been in some bad movies. That's what I'm saying. She could be the kiss of death. Maybe it's, it's her. I'll tell you. All right, sir. Good rage, though, buddy. I yeah, loved it. Thank you. I thank loved you. every one of his movies. So good call. Oh, I missed it. I missed my cue. <laughs> yes, you did. Rage subsiding. Pulse slowing. Anger fading. I should. I should be allowed to run this board, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll help you out soon, uh, enough, buddy. So on that note, take two. Take two. Rage well, or dare. Dare. Last week on Rage or Dare, we see the boys having to watch the fantastic alien mother ducking superhero film, Howard the Duck, produced by none other than George Lucas himself. Let's check in with the boys this week and see, was it rage or extra rage? <laughs> right? Tell me about Howard the Duck. Okay, um, Howard the Duck was not good. I was hoping for some campy goodness, but was not even fun to watch on that level. Honestly, I kind of like the intro with Howard on his home planet in his apartment. I was thinking, maybe this won't be so bad. But alas, it was. It did not seem to be made for anybody. If they had gone all the way and made this an R-rated, no-holds-barred adult comedy, it could have had some potential. But instead, it ended up being a watered-down mess with little to no redeeming qualities that could not possibly appeal to anyone. I did not like this movie, Jim. Painful rage. Awesome. Well, I want to tell you... Uh, hello, Satan Slut. I'm in love with the name of the all-girl biker gang. That's what I gotta say. Quack foo, hell yes. Quack foo. <laughs> Which most of the time means kicking people in the nuts. The key factor on this was 10 out of 10 quacks. Apparently, in Duck Earth, they don't wrap their condoms. Unless maybe Howard just needed to be ready at all times. Holy crap. Tim Robbins as a child slash adult actor? Oh my God. I'm really hoping for an interspecial sex orgy. You know what they say, Earth girls are easy, especially rock babes. Ugh. This was a hard rage for me too, buddy. I could not get past the terribleness of it. And it's like, had I seen Tim Robbins in this and not seen him in everything else that he's done that's brilliant, I would have thought he would be on the um, the doubted list 
for oh. his entire life. <laughs> I tell you, in, so in, in an interesting, interesting aside, did you know that there were eight separate actors that played Howard the Duck? One voice and a whole lot of, I guess, small people. I'm not sure. But man, it's eight. There are eight people listed as Howard the Duck in this movie. Well, that's a little bit better than when we when I had to watch Ed, which was only really two people to be the monkey. Fair enough. <laughs> but do, didn't you, didn't you think how, do, how, could how, they, how would they those... need eight people to play Howard the Duck? How is that even possible? Did they know, just man. need to spend more know. money on this piece of crap? Because like, they spent a lot of cash on this. We they need... did spend a lot of money on it. <laughs> they need okay, eight so people. Did you, did, did you notice when she pulled the condom out of his wallet? It wasn't wrapped, man. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, is he just ready all the time? <laughs> he must be. Got to wear down. Got to wear down on the latex. What the hell, Howard? I tell you. I guess as they went from okay, location to location, they must have need a different actor for every location they were in. Maybe is mm. it? So is this a, is this a superhero movie? Like uh, it's a comic book. Yeah, but no. is it a superhero well, movie? Well, I mean. Howard the Duck was in the uh, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies, so you know. Yeah. I guess this that, was you know what that this, means. this kicked, coming this, back. Kicked, this kicked off the Marvel universe, man. This was this was Phase yeah. One. No matter phase what they what, no matter Howard what they the say, Duck. Phase One was. This was the first movie in Phase One. Yikes. Phase All Zero, right, well, I this, guess. It's it's a double rage. We've done our job, thanks to Murray and his sweet bag. Yes. Well, this week, you've got to make a choice. Rage or dare. Okay. What, uh, I'm always trying to remember what I did last time, and I can never remember. But uh, you, did, you did. You pulled from the sweet bag. Did because I? You, yeah, you, you did a couple of weeks back-to-back of, of dare, and then you pulled from the sweet bag last time. Did I? Well, let's do a couple, couple weeks in a row of pulling from the sweet bag then. We're going to do it one All more right. time. So we're well, reaching you can pull in. From we're mine on, you can pull from mine or Murray's bag. Nah, nah, I'm pulling, neither one of us are there. I'm pulling from your bag. All right. Get in there with all your hands. All right. Well, it's got one of my favorite actors in it. That's a plus. What is it? Keep us out of suspense. And it's got, uh, uh, what's her name? R- Rihanna? It's got Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna's mother, right? <laughs> now you're gonna get, now you're gonna get to know who, who she is. Oh no, she was her mother in the movie Home. Okay, never mind. Uh Gigli starring Oh Gigli. Yes, starring Ben Hooflack. One of my favorite yeah. actors of all time. Well maybe he can pull you out of this. Did you see that The Way Back? I think that was this year. Man, that was a good movie, eh? That was terrible. And this so is gonna be good. just as terrible. Oh, I, I hope it's, rating. man, if it's even it's close to as good as that, then it's going to be great. You know what? I'm trying to think. I actually think that I never saw this. I think somehow I avoided well, it. Well, now you're going to see it, and it's 2.5 on the IMDb meter. Oh, they're welcome, just being harsh. Welcome, you know what? There is, there is a lot of Ben Affleck hating going on for a while there, so I think that was just a bunch of fanboys just being douchebags. I think, I think this is going to well, be good. Well... Tune in next week, Ragers, where you'll get to see if Gili makes 
bright rage. It, it just can't be as bad as everybody makes it out to be. I'm looking forward to this. Julie's going to be good. I'm liking it. Yeah, good luck. All right, I guess that's it for this week. Is it really? How can it be that? Yeah, for that's this week? it. What? Yeah, we made it. We would have made it under an hour if we didn't talk about Julie for too long. Yeah, well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks to Extended Film Crew of Murray on sabbatical, Leonard Conlon for his artistic vision and photography. We have Leonard Conlon Photography. And our cartoonist, Vaughn. Check us out on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And check out our website at filmraceyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback, so send us messages. Go on our website. Post up. Tell us things. We want to make this a raging blast for all listeners. So please comment often and please make us rage. Please, please. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.